0: Vision is simply this, is seeing and acting on what you believe is the direction to go in. Now, if you go to a secular seminar or... A uh, any type of instruction as far as vision, as far as the world. They'll tell you, you know, uh, having a vision as far as the definition of Webster is to have an imagination, which is true. You want to have an imagination of what you want to see, but vision is acting in the context of Christianity. It's acting and believing co- according to what God's purpose is for your life. I think vision is important for three things, and that's what I want to talk about today. First of all, in Proverbs 29, 18, in the King James Version, listen listen to this. You can't have, people can't exist without a vision. And it's so clear here in the King James. Well, this is the new King James. Could you please give me the King James if you could find that real quickly? Um, Proverbs 29:18 in the New King in the King James version it says that people with people that have do not have a vision perish. And what does that mean? It means it's simply this. Notice what it says where there is no vision people perish, but he who keeps the law or keeps the word of God or looks to the word of God concerning vision happier he is she. Notice that phrase. But look what it says here, where there's no vision When you don't see where you're going, you don't see what's ahead of you, when you're not even looking to see what's ahead of you, you perish. Or I like to say it like this, you're going through the circles of life with no purpose. You're just going around a track. I come from Talladega, Alabama, the fastest... uh, Speedway and NASCAR, no offense to our uh, track here locally in the DFW area, but Talladega is where it all began. So I'm patting myself on the back. Praise the Lord for Alabama. But notice what it says here when talking about vision. If you don't have a vision, it's just like how many races that I went to with my dad. And you're just going around that track, going in circles and circles and circles. And that's what you do with life. And if you go to a cemetery and you look down at a grave and you see the grave markers, you see that little dash in between or the this date to that date. Those the time in between that that those two days is the circles that most people are going through. And you shouldn't be going through circles. You should be moving forward. And that's what I want to help you to understand today as far as the Word of God and as far as having a vision. Three things I want to share about vision. Number one under this point, number one, is simply this. A vision for life gives purpose to living. If you don't have a vision for your life, you really lose your sense of direction. You lose your purpose. You lose your identity. And a lot of people are struggling in this because, again, they're going in the circles of life and they're not having a real vision of clarity to where they need to go from where they are today to where they want to go. As a matter of fact, if you look at my phone, you look at my life, I... (laughs) even Sheila when we first got married. I mean, I, I am a person of, of division as far as you know how I want my life to go, anticipating my life and looking forward to every phase of my life. I can't say that I have everything planned out because I don't know everything, but I do have an idea of where I'm going, and I'm excited about getting there. I really enjoy growing older. A lot of people dread it. A lot of people don't like it. A lot of people actually belittle it and say, I wish I was 20 or 30. I don't. I thank God for being being. I'm excited I already have been just talking about it I am so excited about being 60 years old that means I'm five years away from Social Security <laughs> I was kidding I could care less about that necessarily but seriously I'm excited about being 60 and uh, you say pastor Brian that is a weird thing you know no 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 I, I just again I, I'm living with purpose I'm living to fulfill my life and it saddens me when people who perish you you know, like this week, Lisa Marie Presley and others, and not just her, but other people that perish before getting to the ages that they should be growing older and getting better instead of dying prematurely. Number two, having a no expect having no expectation of your life or having no vision for your life, or never even attempting to draw out a plan of your life and submitting it to God destroys your drive to live. And when you destroy your life, to when you destroy your dri- desire to live, your drive to live, it affects you spiritually. It affects you physically. It affects you most motion- emotionally. And a lot of people get to that place where they give up. And i tell you what, it's hard in life if you try to do it without the Lord Jesus Christ. I understand that. But when you have expectation and saying, Father, I submit to the vision of you for my life, there is a drive, a desire, an engine that it is on in moving forward. And we see a great example of that in the life of David. As we're going to look at Acts 13.36 from the Amplified Bible. King David had a vision for his life. This man knew where he was going now. He made mistakes, but he had a purpose to love God, a purpose to serve God, and a purpose to live his life in the fullness of God. And look what it says here in Acts thirteen thirty-six. It says, For David, after he had served God's will or God's purpose and counsel in his own generation, notice that phrase, he fell asleep in death, and was buried among his forefathers, and he did not see corruption and undergo purification and dissolution of the grave. But go back to the top of that verse. It said, David, after he served God's will and purpose for his own generation. And I want that said of you and I. Whatever, you know, your lifespan is, which I want it to be long and strong, I want it to be said of you that you did something to advance the kingdom of God, that you served God's purpose Attending a church is not necessarily serving God's purpose. If you've never won somebody the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never reached out to someone and just tried to disciple them and point them in the direction of faith, if you've never supported a project beyond the church itself, it amazes me. At Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, I'm over there a lot. They have a lot of beautiful facilities and they don't quite have the student enrollment that they've had in the past, but they have a good-sized student body. But they have a lot of facilities over there, and they're vacant, and I utilize some of the rooms. And again, just in between classes and things like that, I utilize some of their spacing to study, pray, and just be alone, and, and it's near my house instead of driving to this facility. And the and the facilities are beautiful. However, there's something unique about those facilities. And Southern Baptist culture, they dedicate a lot of these buildings, or all those buildings over there, are, every single one of them are named after individuals, and they have plaques on different rooms and plaques on different walls, and it just is so amazing to see individuals that have given through the years. There's one couple that has given that I actually had the opportunity of meeting her. I didn't know the husband, That they gave over $300 million, $300 million, $300 million to that seminary and built all those buildings. And you see their pictures and the plaques on there, and you say, Well, Pastor Brian, are they trying to buy their way into the kingdom of God? No, they're not trying to do that, especially this one couple. But you know what they're doing, though? They're making an impact. They're taking the resources that they had. You say, Well, Pastor Brian, I don't have 300 million. Well, I don't have $300 million yet. But you know what? They were faithful where they, where they were. As a matter of fact, they didn't end up at 300 million when they didn't start at that. It was a journey and a process. As a matter of fact, there are three buildings that I specifically go to, and they built one, two, and three. And it was a phase-by-phase operation beginning with the conference center. And they make an impact, because you know what I was doing in that very building yesterday? I was praying, going over this outline, studying, making some phone calls, checking on people, and then I saw missionaries coming in and getting ready for a conference they're getting ready to have. And what do you say with all this, Pastor? I'm saying that this couple, these people before us, found a vision to serve and advance the kingdom of God, not just with their actions, but with their resources. And again, you're not buying into the kingdom of God, and you know, uh, you say, well, that's vain to have your name on the side of a building. Well, I don't know. I really don't know. All I'm saying is it's impactful the fact that these people gave enough to advance the kingdom of God, and they're still giving today. They set up trusts that are continuing on. It amazes me how some people will sit in a church, not specifically this one, year after year and never give anything, never support anything, never do anything to advance the kingdom of God. Do you think that they're serving God in their generation by never doing anything? I'd say not. I'd say not. And it's not about money. It's also about serving it's also about giving. It's about having a vision to do something with your life beyond yourself. And notice what it says. David served God's will and purpose in his own generation. And leaving a legacy is so important. As a matter of fact, I, I'm, I'm doing things right now to leave a legacy for my children. It's not just financially, but it's spiritually. And spiritually is more important than the financial to me. As much as I want to live, the, leave them... Even though I purpose to live long and strong, and uh, you know they're gonna deal with me when I'm a hundred years old. <laughs> That's the way I look at it if Jesus were to tarry. But again, serving God's will. David had a vision. Moses had a vision. Abraham had a vision. These men, you look back in the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, they had a vision of doing something great for God. And I'm not talking about being a famous preacher. I'm talking about using the resources that they had and what was given them and making the most of it. It's a beautiful story when you look at it. Number two, Satan wants to bind your vision. He wants to blind it and bind it. Satan. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Notice what it says here. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Watch this. It says, talking about the enemy, it says, whose mind the God of this age has blinded those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, would shine on them. So notice what it says right here. It says that Satan wants to blind. He wants to prevent you from seeing. And two things that I have here, really three things, excuse me, about blinding your vision. First of all, his worrying about present things destroys vision every single time, when you worry about your life, and worry about this, and worry about that, and get focused into fear, and really, I like to say it like this, many things we worry about actually never happen. Think about it. All the things you were worrying about during the month of December, ending December, going into a brand new year, Christmas season, how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to do that, can I get here, can I get there, can I give this, can I give that, did it really amount to anything? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. I was talking to Sheila yesterday. I said, Sheila, I said it's frustrating to me. She was taking down the Christmas decorations. I don't want to see them come down. I like the Christmas decorations. I know some people the day after Christmas, boom, they jerk it down. and <laughs> They throw in the closet and want to be done with it. <laughs> I understand that. I'm sort of sentimental. I'm like, hey, those are pretty. I like those colors, you know. And of course, here's my big argument. Christmas should be year-round, right? We don't celebrate Jesus' birth just one time a year. We need to sell it all the, all the time, in my opinion. But again, the things that we worry about, the things that we fret about, the things we have anxiety about, do they really, really 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 matter. We need to focus on what matters and what matters is what is God purpose for my life. He's called me to do something. What's the sad story about Lisa Marie Presley? She died a die, she died a death prematurely. Yes, she was Elvis's daughter, but she had a life of her own. She could have lived a life of her own. We went to Graceland a couple of years ago, and it's a beautiful place. I lived in Memphis for several, for one year of my life and played and toured out of a band out of there right before I became a Christian. It's a beautiful part of the nation. It's a beautiful community. And yet, at the same time, when people don't live their purpose and don't fulfill God's destiny, you say, Pastor Brian, she wasn't a believer and all this. I don't know that. My friend Zorro, who's a drummer who's come here several times, he was very, very good friends with her, and he shared this week about, you know, his relationship with her and spending a lot of time with her, and again, he, he says that she was a believer. I mean, sometimes people in those capacities that live the Christian life, it's hard to live the Christian life when you're a famous person. Doug we used to tell me, in working for four presidents, he said the, the people that live the hardest life is not always the president of the United States. It's their families having to deal with the fact that their father is a famous figure and all that comes with that. And so again, what did she deal with? Again, I can't say, but all I know is there's a grace for our lives, whatever our situation may be. Number three, fearful and negative words, every time will destroy the vision God has for your life. And the word I can't And I don't know how, and words like that absolutely rob God's best of your life. You say, well, Pastor Brian, I don't know what to do about my health situation. Well, I would rather believe God, take the scriptures that we'll be sharing this year and scriptures that are available right now and material that's available right now and trust God with your health and go see the best doctor possible and do your part. I'm telling you what, there's all three components of that that you need to do to have good health instead of complaining with negative words about the vision. That God has for your life, which is what Third John two, which I desire above all things, that you would prosper and be in being what health as your soul prospers. But if you're not doing your part again when it comes to eating and dieting, so Pastor Brian, I started diet just a couple of weeks ago, and it's hard. Listen, nothing of success is easy. Nothing of success is easy. It takes discipline. It takes determination. I know it's not fun I'm of all people would love to eat a banana split every single day, but I can't do that because I'll get big as a barrel okay? I used to love Debbie cakes. Man, they were my favorite thing to eat. How I many of you remember Debbie cakes? Especially the chocolate one with the, little, with the swirl in the middle. Oh my gosh. Those were heaven on earth. Well now, when I was Samuel's age, 16 years old, I could eat a box of those every other day and not really gain any weight because of my metabolism. If I did that right now, I would have a gut and I wouldn't be able to see my shoes right now, okay? And I would be a fat Assembly of God preacher. <laughs> no, Nothing against the fat assembly of God preachers. My point with all that is there's a discipline. There's a determination. And there's words involved. And it really grieves me. Christians right now are destroying the vision of their lives by saying, I can't. I can't. I'll never get well. I'll never be able to discipline myself. I can't, you know, refuse. I just, I can't help it. I love to eat those pies. I love to eat this. I love to do that. I don't, I don't like exercise. If you convince yourself that you can't exercise, you won't exercise. And joining a gym does not bring you health. I love my sweet daughter. She's as healthy as she can be, but sometimes she goes to the gym, and she's the prettiest girl there, and I'm thinking, darling, are you really exercising, or are people just looking at you, okay? I mean, seriously, daddy's been there and done that, all right? And I know what these gyms are all about. I used to work out, but now I found my exercise in walking every day and walking not only a, a, a fast pace, but lo- so many steps. That's the health that I have. And again, it's—it's it's, a—not—it's. It, do I feel like doing that every single day? No, I do not. But yet there comes a place where I want to have a vision that the older I get, the better I get. As a matter of fact, if you look at my phone, that is a part of my vision statement. The older I get, the better I get. I'm not going to be breaking down. I, I don't know about you, but... In the last couple of years, and again, I'm almost 60 years old. The last couple of years, I, I'm, you know, when you bend down, you start making these sounds. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> like, I was tying my shoes the other day. I was like, oh, like, where'd that come from? You know, and you know, you and things like when you get it now, and again, getting up in the morning now, I've already purposed this a couple of years ago. The first thing I do when I get out of bed is I stretch and I put my hands to heaven. I refuse to get out of the bed and you know, and and crawling around like I'm old or something. I am not going to be breaking down. I am not going to be falling apart, and I am not going to be (laughs) letting that happen. So I've been catching myself when I tie my shoes or bend over or something, and all those sounds you're making, I'm like, good Lord. (laughs) But seriously, you have to tackle that. You have to press forward and say, you know what? I am going to have a vision for health. I was in Alabama recently and thinking about my grandmother, nearly 100 years old, and walked that 60 acres and fed those cows and did all that she did. And her last words on this earth to me were not, I'm sick, I'm dying, but was this. Quote, I'm quoting exactly. Honey, Mama wants to get back up on the farm and get my hands in the dirt. What that means is she wants to grow more plants. That was a phrase she used all her life, putting my hands in the dirt. That means planting more plants. That's a vision of faith. That's a vision of hope. That's a vision of expectancy. I'm not enduring life, but I'm enjoying life. I'm telling you what, we need to get to a place because we're believers that we're enjoying where we are on the way to where we're going. People of the world may not, but you and I can. We enjoy where we are on the way to where we're going. And every year I'm practicing getting better at Christmas. Yes, I'm sad that Christmas is already gone, but there were good things to this Christmas. And I already told Sheila, I'm already planning for next Christmas, how to make this next Christmas better than the last Christmas because of the things I learned this Christmas because I'm determined to enjoy my life, endure it and not endure it. And I want the same through you. I want the vision that God has for your life. Matthew, Matthew 16, 13, notice what it says here. Vision is seeing beyond what you see. Vision is seeing beyond what you see right now. Let me show you a powerful illustration as we begin to wrap this up in Matthew 16. Matthew 16. This is Jesus in a situation with his disciples and listen to this. Matthew 16, 13. This is the power of vision, especially in knowing our relationship with the Lord. Matthew 16, 13. It said, when Jesus came in the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, whom do men say that the Son of God, Son of Man am? And verse 14, and some said, you're John the Baptist? Some said, you're Elijah, or others, are one of the prophets. Notice verse 15. But he asked them, who do you say that I am? And look what it says here in verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now watch this. Verse number 17. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, meaning the Holy Spirit reveals this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And notice what's happening here. It's not flesh and blood, but it's a vision. It's having the eyes of your spiritual understanding being open to seeing God's will, God's word, God's way, which is Jesus the Messiah. And notice how powerful seeing vision is spiritually when he says in verse number 18, listen to this revelation. He says to Peter that you are Peter and on this rock, of course, the Catholic church says that the rock is Peter and the popes are, you know, the rock here. And that's not true. God bless the Catholic church, but they have not right on this. The rock is not a man. The rock is the revealing, the seeing that you and I have. And Satan works 24 hours a day, seven days a week to get you for where you won't see. But once you get a vision of seeing, once you get a vision of these things, i am tell you what, nothing can stop them. Nothing can stop a person who has a vision of God's purpose for their life. You can't beat it out of me concerning the calling that I have upon my life. I am called to be the senior pastor of Metroplex Family Church. That is non-negotiable. That has nothing to do with anything else as far as my purpose in my life from this point to 100 plus years old is to be where I am right here doing this mission. I have found my divine reason for being here. And when you find that, I'm telling you what, nothing and no one in hell can stop it. And it says right here in verse number 18, I say to you, Peter, that on this rock, I will build my church. Everybody say, build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means Satan cannot stop a person once they begin to see and know what God's purpose for their life. If they want to believe God for health, they fight the good fight of health. If they want to believe financially to have a better life financially, they do it God's way. Is financial increase? Is financial accountability and financial structure easy? No, but it's worth the good fight of faith. It's worth everything you invest into it. Most billionaires, most millionaires, most people that steward a lot of money do it through discipline and determination, not necessarily through manipulation. I know there's a lot of people that win this and win that, but I, people tell me all the time, if I could just win the lottery, everything's going to be all right. Well, how about you manage the money that you've already have? If you'll manage the $2,000 that you've already got, maybe God will add two more thousand dollars to it. Well, I'm doing some good preaching this morning, Pastor Brian. Isn't that true? It is true, we want God to give us increase, but you know we want God to give us a new car, but are we cleaning the one we 've got? Hello, I mean, you know all it takes is a garbage bag and a vacuum cleaner and a you know a couple of dollars to go to a car wash or do it out front of your own house. Be a good steward of that automobile be a go- listen, can with all due respect, can I go get in your automobile right now without moving trash around? Amen. I love you and I'm so proud of you. Alright then. But how many people say, oh Pastor Brian, excuse me, I haven't cleaned this out in about a month or two. Hey, that McDonald's, why is that McDonald's bag there? Why is that McDonald's bag there? Why can you not, after, what, what is the deal of eating something and throwing it in the back seat? Anyway, I better move right along. You got a vision for a dirty car, not a vision of a clean. Uh, but it all comes down to stewardship. It all comes down to if you want more and ask for more, you got to be faithful with what's in front of you. And notice what it says here again in verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on this earth will be bound and whatever you loose will be loosed. What is that saying? That is saying I am giving you the way to live. I'm giving you the power to do it, but you've got to believe me. You've got to do your part. If you'll do your part, I'll match it and heaven will be behind you 100%. Three things about revelation. Number one, revelation is seen beyond the natural eye. Turn to Ephesians 1 chapter 16. Ephesians 1 16. Notice what it says right here, in Ephesians 1 verse 16. It's the prayer that absolutely launches seeing and vision in your life. If you, if you have a vision to lose weight, you have a vision of better health, I promise you if you see it from God's Word and it becomes revelation to you, you can have that. But if you don't, the very thing that you don't see will be, it will be the very thing that destroys you because you're seeing what's not, what's not of God. You're seeing what's presently where you are. But notice the prayer that we're going to pray for you in verse number 17 of Ephesians 1. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Yes, but watch verse 18. Here's the key. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you be able to see See what God has purposed for your life. See the vision. See what He's called you to do and called you to be, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints is. I like to say about that word inheritance when do you get an inheritance? When you die or when the person dies? When the person dies. And notice what it says here, the riches of that glorious inheritance in the saints, that's for on this side of the earth, not when you get to heaven. So many people think, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be debt free. When I get to heaven, everything's going to be all right. When I get to heaven, this, that, and the other. Well, what about heaven on the earth? What about a vision for your life right now? Revelation is seeing beyond the natural eye. And when you see only in the natural and don't see beyond, then you're limiting yourself. Revelation can also destroy satanic blindness. It can destroy everything that Satan would try to come against you where, where you're robbing yourself of seeing beyond things in the natural because you're focused on the natural. You're not seeing things by faith. And I'm telling you what, revelation also comes and this this absolute authority we have over blindness spiritually comes also because the very author of truth is on the inside of you. Let me close with this. In John chapter 14, verse 26, John 14, 26, Jesus said it better than I did and Jesus can summarize this better than I can as far as vision for your life because he's given us the author of vision. He's given us the ability of vision. But if you never ask him, if you never still and quiet yourself, If the TV is the only thing that's the most loudest thing in your life or the news or whatever, nothing wrong with television, nothing wrong with radio, but you sometimes have to come to a place where it says, be still and know that I am God. Listen to this, John 14, 26. Jesus said this, not Brian. He said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Watch this now. This is very important. He will teach you what? Some things. What's that word? All. All things. Very good. And what will he also do? He'll bring to your remembrance what? all things. He's inside of you. The author of the book's inside of you. The answer to life is inside of you. The person of Jesus is on the inside of you, but you've got to listen to that person. you got to pause for a second and say, listen, I'm just going to slow my life down for just a minute, and I'm going to shut the phone off. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to set the TV off for a moment, the radio, other people, and I'm just going to listen. Listen to the Spirit of God and let the Holy Spirit speak vision to my life. I promise you, if you'll get still long enough, he'll say things that will absolutely change your life and change the dynamic of who you are. But it takes just a moment to focus in on that. But when you focus on that and that one word from God, that one word from God will change your life forever. I close with this simply. I was in Alabama recently visiting my mother with my family and I was uh, down in my uh, hometown where I was born Silicon, Alabama. I was dropping, and them off at the hotel and I was coming back up to Talladega. It was like 10 o'clock at night, beautiful, quiet. Oh, I just love that road up there. And uh, the Lord really spoke on my heart some things about my life, my purpose. But I just said, you know what, Lord? I'm gonna take this exactly 30-minute drive from here to there, not listen to the radio. I'm just gonna think, but I'm gonna listen. Everybody say listen. Yes. I'm gonna Listen. And it wasn't the first five minutes, it wasn't the first 10 minutes, it was about 15 minutes into the drive, but I'm listening and I'm looking. And I heard three things that the Lord put on my heart. And I just want to share with you one of them, the last one, was focus on what really matters in life. Focus on what really matters in life. You have all kinds of things distracting you, but focus on what really matters What really matters? Will a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, will this really matter to your life and to the kingdom of God? And by the way, the life that you're living now, you'll be living it a hundred years from now in heaven with others in the family of God. And what you do today dictates the future. You know, heaven is the most hierarchy place there is when it comes to chain of command and order. And what you do in this life matters. Don't waste it. Live it to its fullness. Live it to its best. Give it your very best. And I promise you, God will do the rest. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you right now for showing us vision. Let's all say this together. Say, Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. Give me clear vision what's before me. Show me what to do. Show me how to respond. Show me how to react and live my life in a way that honors you. I repent of anything in my life, especially my words, would hinder your vision, your purpose for my life. This moment forward, I make a fresh start, a fresh commitment to see your word your will, your ways, from my life, my family, my future, all in you. In Jesus' name, amen.